This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Welcome back to another episode of Peak Too Early. And we are licking our wounds. We are fresh off of of Boston Marathon. A little sore, but man, I had the time of my life out there. I'm so pumped to talk about it. Down in Connecticut, we got Mike Gendron. Mike, how you doing, bud? Oh boy, I am. Uh, it's we're getting to about a week after the marathon, and I'm still feeling a little bit sore. Um, kind of in pain, but listen, you know what? Um, it was worth it, and. To be a Boston Marathon champion like that, like I am, uh, it feels good, and it was it was worth every second of pain. Um, I have really no sympathy for anybody who's going to be in here talking about how bad their legs hurt or their shins or their calves. Um, it's my shoulder. It's my bicep, my wrist, my hand. I was out there grinding, high-fiving away. It's all over the news. I am the high five champion of the Boston Marathon. Absolutely crushed it. I don't know when I'll recover, but listen, uh, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's going to sit here and brag about it or whine about how sore I am. I did it for the people. I did it for the haters like Trent. Uh, and I just, I'm going to enjoy this world championship, this high five world championship for a long time coming, Steve. Yeah, I, I ran every step of the way with him, and I can confirm that Mike did break the high five world record out there on the course. And as always, at the House of Sav, for the first time in a couple weeks, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I'm good. It feels good to be home. I'm biting my tongue a lot after Mike's introduction, but I'm sure <laughs> we'll dive into uh, how his day went. Uh, I'm sitting here. I'm thinking about whether I should do my marathon cool down right now. Um, I haven't run since the dawn, so maybe today is a good day to get that three-mile cool down in. Uh, we'll see. Legs are still hurting a little bit, so maybe I'll push that off another few weeks. Trent, um, I think you proved that junk science worked. Um, because you went out there and you dropped a pretty fast marathon on race day. All the expo haters out there, uh, Mike and Steve, you guys saw the, the beauty of the expo, the beauty of junk science. It really propelled me. I was shocked. I was, I was going through it. I felt a little tingle uh, in my calf, and I was like, damn, I should have had beta alanine. That's like the one <laughs> junk science I missed out on. Um, but the whole time I was just like, you know, I was very thankful. I, I was saying, hey, thank you, God, for the expo and for uh, junk science, for lotion, for pills and for portable stim machines for eighty nine dollars. If I say I'm in the military. See, I, well, I disagree. I don't think it had anything to do with the expo or your junk science. I think that you proved that drinking beers the day before a marathon is crucial and not running. You didn't run for three weeks and you had a great time. I think you just don't run, drink beers. That's what we've been preaching to everybody who will listen. And I think you're living proof of that. And you're on a sub three marathon. And we were, Trent, we were actually on our way to like the starting line and we were talking about it. We're like, man, I don't know. I don't know how Trent's going to do out there. Kid hasn't <laughs> run in like two and a half weeks. We actually met up with the, with your crew. We met up with uh, Boomer, Dan, um, who else was there? Shout out SAV running. Um, but we were, we met up with them. We're like, where's Trent? And they're like, Oh, he went up to, to the front, his corral. 
and we're like, oh boy, I don't know how he's gonna do. He, he's been he's been uh, complaining about a lot of injuries, but you you, uh, have, you may have showed not, up in a big way. You may have not said it to my face, but I could feel the doubt. I could <laughs> feel the shade coming from your little VIP tent or whatever the hell that was. It was just coming out like a cloud. Um, and it propelled me right through the finish line. Um, it was the second biggest factor in my, my successful race behind the junk science at the expo. Steve, that sounded like a little hint of uh, jealousy there when he was talking about yeah. it. Yeah, you little, Tren- peasant, you little peasant in the regular Tren- corrals. Trent's like in a crowded frozen yogurt place while it pours and rains. Meanwhile, me and Steve are hanging out with former uh, Boston Marathon champions and just getting the uh, luxury treatment. Breakfast, coffee, yeah. heat bathrooms our own private bathrooms it was great it was, it was it was i had the time of my life which is another you know you want to talk about shade trend you yeah. said that we weren't going to have a good time out there and let me tell you that might have been the most fun day of my life it was we had we had a blast out there yeah listen i um i know in a previous episode i said that i wouldn't tell you the truth at, after the marathon if i did hurt but the pictures will show i don't think i a smile left my face during that entire race. I took in every second of it. I enjoyed the crap out of it. Uh, I didn't drink as many beers as I'd hoped because, believe it or not, there's not as many beers offered on the course as I thought. I took every single beer that was offered to me, and it we definitely hit the under on our amount of beers. But Trent, what do you have to say for yourself? Because I uh, truly, truly enjoyed that that Boston Marathon. I'm I'm very impressed to be honest. Uh, I'm not even gonna like throw any shade right now. I'm just gonna do a little hats off to it. I am disappointed in the beer. I gotta throw some shade. I saw at least, like, <laughs> three beers being chugged on the way back. Maybe it was when you got to the slow people like you guys. The beer had already been taken by the real runners like myself. So uh, potentially that's why the lack of beer. But um, I did think you guys would be way more miserable than you were. It sounds like from firsthand witnesses. You guys had slightly different experiences out there, so I'd like to hear. I know, Steve, you said it was the best day of your life as well, or you had a lot of fun. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on how it differed, but um, overall, the fact that you guys got out there and enjoyed it, it sounds like you did it right. There were a few points out there where I saw guys, like I said, chugging beers, um, having having a blast, and I was a little jealous that I couldn't you know, join in that in those shenanigans out there. Yeah, Mike, Mike and I, we, we definitely, our, our experiences were slightly different. Um, I was, Mike was like, Mike felt great out there. He was cruising. I had to slow him down several times in the first half marathon. Um, you know, in the last 10 K yeah, I was in some brutal pain. Like there's, there's, I'm not going to lie. Like my legs were shot. Um, I, I was hurting. I had to stop and walk it out. My legs were cramping. The downhills were brutal. I never expect. I've never had quad pain like that in my entire life. But my 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 quads are cramping up on the downhill. But Trent, that doesn't take away from the fact that I had an absolute blast out there. Even when even when the pain was at its worst, you know, I was still joking around, laughing with the crowd. You know, turning right on Hereford, left on Boylston was everything I thought it would be and more. Mm-hmm. Trent, I gotta give. Steve, some serious credit because, listen, I've been in that situation where you're deep into a marathon and the legs start going, you start cramping, and uh, Steve hit it, but we would go from one second to him being in, like, excruciating pain. He would just take a deep breath, and he would get to the sidelines and just, like, start pumping up the crowd, yelling at people, giving (laughs) people high fives, and then, you know, a couple minutes later, boom, right back to excruciating pain, but every chance he got to, like, enjoy it and take it in, 
Uh, he definitely did. And, you know, listen, when we had to stop or slow down or whatever, it didn't bother me at all because that just gave me an excuse to get right over the sidelines and just start going nuts. I think I probably gave a Tom Brady, let's go, maybe like four or 500 times. Uh, <laughs> if I want to keep bragging about my records, definitely broke the high five record, definitely broke the let's go record for sure. It's funny. I didn't see your name like on any marathon recap list on all any records that were broken. I'll have to do a, a new search online and see if I missed anything. Yeah. I mean, you're not you don't really care that much about running. So you're probably not on all the cool, like good running platforms and see that stuff. So uh, I, I'd say the uh, the the part of the race that. Well, there's many things that made it awesome, but one of the things that made it uh, really special for us was our shirts. Everybody freaking oh. loved the mm-hmm. peak too early shirts. And when I was running, people would be like, nope, nope, you haven't peaked yet. You're doing great. You're doing great. And when I was walking, they would just look at me and they'd be like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the peak too early shirts are a fan favorite. You know, most people probably had no idea that it was associated with this podcast, but it didn't matter. The standalone shirts were really really good um and i think they people love them trent did you get similar experiences up at the front of the pack i had i had the exact same we were talking it was almost um i think last week we were talking about people yelling stuff at us uh when we we're running maybe it was two weeks ago and you you just hear the run force run all the time with the nice shorts and then an improved word i just heard you know you haven't peaked too early you know every time and i would just turn you know give a little smile nod my head like yes i have peaked way too early um, but it was it was a great shirt. It was perfect. So I was thinking about it, and um, one of my favorite parts of the race, and I have so much sympathy for anybody who actually is, like, truly trying to race that, trying to PR at Boston, because if you don't take a second to enjoy that stretch at Wellesley College, then oh, you yeah. are cr- – that was – I have never felt more like a celebrity in my entire life. I'm right on the sidelines and there is just hundreds of people, hundreds of girls just going wild. They're like grabbing at you and high five and they're like hitting you in the face. Like it's just like literally felt like a celebrity. And I just had the hugest smile on my face. It was, if you don't take in that stretch, then you are doing Boston completely wrong. We, we went right up to the guardrail and we were high-fiving like every single girl as we ran by. But Mike wasn't kidding when he's saying they were literally trying to grab you. Yes. Pull you over to the guardrail. <laughs> and Mike, you know, he's engaged. I'm married. You know, we can't. We, we, we promised Erin and Cece we didn't, we didn't kiss any college girls out there. I promise. But they were trying to kiss us. I, Steve, I had to, like, fight them off. It was ridiculous. <laughs> never, never happened to me before in my life. I'm a skinny five six runner i've never had that many people in general trying to grab me it was wild i fight fighting them off like animals it's great you're coming up like the hill there and you can just hear the roar because it's a dead spot right before leading into it because there's (laughs) no like houses or buildings it's dead for maybe a half mile then you can just hear the roar from the distance and if you've done it before you know the area you know it's the wellesley scream tunnel you can just see the entire field just shift their way over to the right side and so instead of being fully spread on the road everybody's now like only on a quarter of the road just hugging the guardrail yeah it's a it's a blast i remember yeah, we, hearing the- it's like one of the only stretches like in that like first 10 miles that doesn't have people. It's just trees. You're kind of like on a little bit of a secluded highway and you can just hear it in the distance and everybody's looking at each other and like Wellesley's coming. Yeah. 
And, you know, I'd heard about these stretches, but until you're there, until you experience it, you just, you can't describe it. And that goes for a lot of pockets throughout the race too. Like, right, like shout out BC. BC does it awesome too. It's just a crazy party, bumping music the whole time, people going nuts, drinking beers. Uh, there are so many pockets throughout the race where it's just like, that the Boston Marathon is the only place that you're going to see stuff like that, the only place in running that you're going to experience stuff like that. And that's what makes it unbelievable. That's why I am so happy to have been a part of it. And I think if you're a runner, uh, you know, there's something to be said about going after PR at Boston and having that be a fast time for you. But I truly believe that everyone who's a runner should go out there and experience Boston the way that we did because it was it was it was one of the best days of my life. Literally one of the best days of my life. Do we um do we want to give a shout out to some of the some of the people that we remember out there? Maybe people that we may have given a P2E uh, business card to? Yeah, listen, I was dishing them out like candy. I must have dished out like over a hundred P2E uh, business cards, had all kinds of experiences. So if you are a new listener to P2E and you found out through the marathon, welcome to the club. Welcome to the yeah. club. There was that one it was at one point, I think it was like mile eight or nine. It was like a slight turn, but there was like, like over a hundred people on that little turn going absolutely nuts. That was one of my favorite parts of the race. Um, I think we, we gave out a couple P2E cards there. Um, there was one lady at mile six giving out cookies, delicious cookies, <laughs> awesome. great Shout cookies. Out to that lady. Shout out to that lady. There was one guy at mile like one and a half just sitting there drinking a Miller Lite. And like, I, Mike yelled over to him and he goes, hey, Miller Lite. And he goes, you want one? And we like took like 10 steps past him, looked at each other and we're like, it's too early. It's too early. <laughs> oh, just, no. go back to get a Miller Lite there. Um, uh, heading into the, you know, obviously the Wesley College girls, heading into the town of Wesley where we saw uh, Chris and Cece hanging out there. They gave us our first beer on the course. But there was a guy, oh, we got to give this guy a shout out. And Trent, I don't think we've talked to you about this yet, but there was a guy on the sidelines. He was a kid. He was, he was a younger guy. Um, maybe I'd say 18 to, to 20 range. And we run by in our peak too early shirts. And he yells over at us saying, I'm listening to the podcast now. Mike, do you remember that? I do. And I have never seen this guy before in my life. I have no idea. And we hadn't handed him a business card, nothing. He's like, I just downloaded the podcast. I'm like, what are you talking about? Dude, shout out to that guy. He's definitely listening right now. And I, he's I got a nice so. segment about him. That guy's the man. I was telling like when I would run by, I'd get some peak too early. And when I had real energy, I'd shout out people, iTunes, like download on iTunes, give a little point, download, you know, throw the shirt up. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe he just, you know, is is scouring iTunes. I mean, we're we gotta be rocketing up the charts at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just went to his new feed and it was recommended for him. So yeah. um yeah, that guy is a champ, and uh, maybe maybe we can get him on someday. He can tell us about his experience of how he found the peak to early pod. So, Trent, I um, one thing, you know, we're shouting out a lot of Boston, and I have nothing, almost nothing but good things to say about my experience. The one thing that I had an issue with is, you know, lining the course, there are people with Red Sox gear all over the place, right? We're in the heart of Boston, yep. Red Sox fans everywhere. And the Red Sox game starts at 11 that day, as we talked about before. So I'm trying to get scores the whole time. And I'm sh running by people, hey, scores, scores. Hey, Red Sox score. You got a Red Sox score. Nothing. Abs no response whatsoever. It was impossible, impossible to get 
Red Sox scores out in the course, and I have no idea why. No Red idea Sox why. Is a part of Marathon Monday, and I got to agree, it's disappointing. I was gonna give a big shout out to the people with the the huge speaker systems. Anytime, I think I had a Sweet Caroline going through Framingham, which was great. The whole like field is starting to yell, you know, dun dun dun. Um, but how about some of those good speakers go over to the Sox game? Have a little, you know, yeah. Stigley own cheering me on as I'm as I'm running by. Is that too much to ask for? Seriously. I was never more disappointed in the people of Boston. I know. Especially if you come decked out, head to toe in Red Sox gear, you got to be ready to give that score. Everybody's got a smartphone these days. Come on, people, be better than that. That's what I'm saying. Like literally, everybody. If you're a Red Sox fan, you're telling me you haven't looked at the score once, and like these people were looking at us like we had three heads. Like you're wearing a Red Sox hat, and I asked you what the score is. Give me the yeah. score. Yeah, you'd ask, and they'd be like, "What are you talking about?" And I'd be like, "The Red Sox game." The professional baseball game that's played in the city of Boston that's going on right now. What's the score? But, I mean, they got smoked by the freaking Orioles that day, so I, I mean, who cares? Let's not go on a Red Sox tangent. Uh, let's not. Before we, before we head too far down the, down the you know, uh, what happened during the marathon, um, I did want to talk a little bit about the uh, – like the athlete's village in the start of the marathon. Yeah. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. You know, we were up in our ivory tower in the VIP section <laughs> talking to all the little peasants. But, you know, we, we just had to stand there in awe of, like, everything that went into organizing that. You get on your yellow school bus at the Boston Common. If you're one of the peasants, if you're a VIP, you get on a coach bus with former Boston Marathon champions. No big deal. But you take a school bus 26 miles to the start of the race in Hopkinton, you get off, you hang out in an athlete's village, and then they call your 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 wave and your corral, and you kind of are funneled into this to this station where they check your number to make sure you're in the right corral, and then you walk three quarters of a mile down to the start where they place you near the corral, which I didn't mind. Like a lot of people, I had heard from a lot of people that that walk to the start is kind of a pain in the butt. But for me, that was one of the most fun times of the day because we were like walking with everybody. We were talking. Shout out to that guy from that guy from California. Remember his name, Mike? I don't remember his name, but he's from Benicia. Shout out Benicia. Used to live there. Uh, shout out rookies in Benicia. Great bar. Don't remember your name, though, bro. Shout out know. Washington. Shout out the Seahawks. Shout <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But we were walking and we were like talking everything and the anticipation couldn't be higher. And it was the sun was coming out. It was nice. And that that walk to the start was was so much fun. I had a blast. Yeah, and it gave you some serious perspective on what has to go in to make the Boston Marathon happen. There is thousands and hundreds of thousands of people flooding into the city. They have to we're driving down the highway to get to the athletes village and it's like you have 20 exits in a row blocked off with just cops and lines of cars waiting to get on the highway. You literally have to shut down the mass pike to get this going. You have to have Tons of school buses. We walked by one little section, and there was like a village of like 250 porta potties. I was like, "How do you even get that many porta potties into one place?" That is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Just every minute detail. I have. I, I'll tell you what. Being a race director of the Boston Marathon, cross that off my list of things I ever want to do. That it is insane the amount of stuff that goes into it. So to give you guys the peasant point of view, not everybody had the media credentials <laughs> that you guys had to get into the VIP. Um, it's it also is a logistical you know feat when you're in Boston at the Boston Common with the school buses lined up. Um, it also is a little difficult to navigate. So we were out there with a few members of the SAD Racing Squad. 
to go check our bags and get on the buses. And we don't have our phones with us because we checked those. And we immediately lose like half the members of our squad there. So then you just get thrown on these buses. Um, were you guys on the buses when the rain was coming down and you had to park on the side of the highway? Oh, yeah. We didn't. Well, we had the we had a big badass coach bus with uh, with the police escort. So we didn't have to pull over. But um, yeah, the like the 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 rains that were coming down at one point, Mike and I just I remember looking at each other and being like, what the hell are we about to do? It was like it was like an apocalyptic rain there for a little bit. It was pouring so hard that the, so the school buses, these those of you guys that don't know, there's probably about 50 at a time that leave Boston, take the athletes to the Athletes Village in Hopkinson. Um, the school buses came to a stop. The lead bus could not see out the windshield. came to a stop. Um, now, it was pouring. The lead bus driver might have been a little incompetent, too. You could see our bus driver, who, by the way, best-looking bus driver I've ever seen. Just blowing <laughs> away the bus driver stereotype. Complete smoke show. She is looking like out the window trying to figure out why the hell we have an entire like two mile stretch of park school buses on the side of the highway um but yeah for a moment there it was like is this gonna last all day are we gonna get to hopkinton we didn't know if cars had broken down massive accident nobody has their phone on you so you can't check to see like why are we just stopped here for 20 minutes on the side of the highway that was a uh, quite the experience getting out to hopkinton yeah, yeah. And- it, it was, it, I, it was wild. Like I, I, I was like, I remember, so we checked our bags and like, so you're not allowed to bring whatever you bring to the, to the, um, to the starting line, you either run with, or it stays there. So you have to check your bag before you get on the, on the bus. And we were just like looking at each other being like, we should have brought like jackets or something like this is, this is, this is out of control. This is insane. But you know, luckily, you know, as soon as we got to the athletes village, um, the rain let up and ended up becoming a beautiful morning, which didn't last. It got pretty pretty humid throughout the day, but at least the morning was nice. and We didn't have to stand in the corrals and just the pouring rain. Shout out to the peasants that were able to have a connection through your co-host over here. We had a spot downtown Hopkinton right next to the starting line. All our stuff that we wanted to wear out there, extra shoes, all the body glide that you can fit in like a 20 like a liter backpack to just roll around in place. <laughs> All of that is now back to us. We had a connection. Uh, Megan, my girlfriend, Kruger, her family just grabbed all our stuff. We actually watched the elite women warm up. They're on the side streets, like doing strides and stuff from our spot. So uh, we may not have been VIP in your ivory tower, but we uh, we made it work for being present here. <laughs> we so, actually walked by your the, the frozen yoga shop and we were like, oh, man. That actually would have been pretty nice, but you know we had the VIP pass, friend, so we couldn't sure. we couldn't be bothered with the with That's the right. squad. Steve, you were talking about the uh, idea of having to drop all your stuff at the starting line. Shout out to the guy who must have missed the start. Oh, or I felt so bad for that guy. We were we were right, and this guy looked like a really good runner. He looked really fit. Uh, but he's stuck back in the pack with us because he is carrying a huge bag of all of his stuff. One of those big plastic bags. He has like on his shoulder. He has to like stop a bunch to like readjust it. Like we were with this guy for, I don't know, probably like 15 of the miles of the race. And he just looked miserable. At one point, Steve turned to me. He's like, is there any way, do you think we could, you know, give somebody my business card and try and get this guy a pickup? It would have been a logistical nightmare with the city the way it is, but that poor guy. Felt, Shout out to you, man. I felt terrible. I think he was. I think he was Japanese, and so he was. He probably came in to run the Boston Marathon, barely spoke English, 
And, you know, he just like assumed that you you can bring your bag to the starting line and that's where they have the drop. But, um, you know, he he, you know, probably had all of his stuff in there and he, he tried to carry it throughout the race. I felt terrible for him. I'm surprised yeah. he let him on the bus with all that stuff. I think he must have gotten like a different way to the start because there's no way they would have let you on the bus with that. Yeah. But, yeah I don't know. Shout out to that guy, though. Real champion. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about our, our favorite part of the race. If we have to pick, if we could pick one point of the race that was our favorite, what would it be? Oh boy! Uh, we can't say the end. Are we are we being serious? Well, this? I guess I guess we could say the end. I mean, for me, like so, I've been I've been running my entire life, and uh, I've been living in and around Boston. I've been I run in Boston. You know, you know, when I was living around there, I was running there every day. Um, but now I, I probably run there at least, you know, once every week or every other week. So I run in Boston quite a bit, you know, running at night in the city is one of my favorite things to do. Um, I have never in my life run down Boylston street. I've never, cause I, I've, I've always known that I wanted to run the Boston marathon and I got to save it for the first time I'm in the Boston marathon running down Boylston street. So, uh, turning, turning left onto Boylston was one of the coolest moments I've ever had in racing. My, my legs were cramping. I was dying. Um, I was, you know, dehydrated. I needed a Miller light. Um, but you know, turning, turning left onto Boylston and seeing Boylston, seeing the finish line, that's something I've been dreaming about for a really long time. That was by far the coolest moment. You, know, you got hear the announcers in your head, like right on Hereford, left on Boylston as you're doing it. It's a cool feeling. Yeah, I uh, I mean you can't top that. I think if when you run, that's what you do Boston for. Um, but I kind of already alluded to it too. I think my just interaction with the crowd in general. That's what I was there to do. I was there uh, as a you know a retirement party for marathon, and I said to myself, I'm gonna have as much fun as I possibly can. I'm gonna interact with everybody. Um, I'm gonna get the crowd fired up, and that's what I did. And yeah, that's for me. That was the best part. I'll go with the first six seven eight miles there um through those beginning towns where just everyone around you's excitement level is still like through the roof um we were running out there and and you think you're going at a a good pace that you want to be but you look at someone's got a smartwatch, they tell you where you're at and it's impossible not to go faster than your pace unless it's you know one of you guys and you're trying to chug beers along the way but you just get carried through like the momentum there's just and you think you're you think you're a decent runner, right? You're like, okay, I'm wave one, corral two. This is a good spot. And you get to the top of a little hill, and you look down. There's just like endless runners in front of you, filling up the entire road, just like this never-ending uh, um, mass of runners. Everybody, nobody's like collapsing or dehydrated yet. Everybody just feels like they're gonna have the best race of their day, and there's just so much positive energy. And you go to the little town squares, and everyone's just shouting. So the beginning was. It's just it's just so fun at the beginning. In the I way. agree. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, that was that was that was a close second for me. It was just kind of those first couple miles. Um, so we so we've kind of we've kind of joked about it a little bit. But on the way out there, we, we were sitting next to uh, Jack Fultz, the the winner of the 1976 uh, uh, Boston Marathon, and uh, so he was one of the official starters out there. And uh, great guy, awesome guy. Great guy to talk to. We had a, we had a lot of uh, good conversations with him on the ride out to Hopkinton. But one thing he said to us that stuck with me, and you know, if I do, you know, maybe 
10, 15, 20 years from now decide to, to go through the pain of running another Boston Marathon, um, I'm, I'll definitely take into consideration. Um, but the piece of advice he gave me was nobody in the history of running this race has ever said that they went out too slow. Because yeah. that's just just like you were saying, Trent. You get swept up in the emotion of it. The adrenaline takes you. It's a little bit downhill. You have a lot of fast runners out there, and you can just you can very easily get swept away in it. Um, happened to us a little bit. I mean, we were trying to we were trying to stay a little bit slower, um, but we were just like we just felt like we were crawling and we were just out there jogging, and you know we were at seven minute pace when we were trying to go slower. Just so easy, you know. I swear I let only people pass me because I, I figured that out two years ago that I went out way too hard and then I died um, real bad. But I only let people pass me. I didn't pass one person those first few miles. And I still was going out like 30 seconds per mile. I was going out at like 620s or something like that, 625s. And this is like, this is not sustainable for how fresh my legs were. Um, but it did. It felt like I was walking. It's It's really like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, something stood out to me too when Jack Fultz was talking about really cool guy, unbelievable stories. Um, but the biggest thing that he said that really stood out to me was his um, real distaste for scumbag Bentley runners. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, oh no! Jack Fultz is a big anti Bentley cross country guy. Uh, he was telling us this story about how one year one of his athletes. Uh, basically lost their ability to like be tracked on the race because some random college kid stole. So he, he coaches the Dana Faber racing team now. Yeah. And so one of some random college kid fabricated like a bib or something and ran with it and basically stole all like the results and stuff. And the, the woman was real distraught about the whole thing. Turns out it was some scumbag Bentley runner. And my man, Jack Foltz, went all detective, went through all these different channels to find the kid. And uh, he gave him, a, you know, a, a, a verbal whooping. Um, <laughs> now, he, he doesn't hate Bentley kids, but it was pretty funny to hear him uh, tell the story. And I was just taking some serious jabs. If anybody doesn't know by now, Steve ran for uh, uh, Bentley College at Cross Country, and he's just like University, Mike. University, whatever. Bentley University. Thank See, doesn't sound much. like a Bentley scumbag. Listen, yeah, a... you know, the entire time that he was telling that story, I was just like, this kid just sounds resourceful. You know, he didn't have a number. He didn't want to pay. He figured out a way to get in the race without getting kicked out. Found a way for his time to be recorded. I mean, that's just resourcefulness at its best. So I'm not gonna name guys. Not gonna name names, but I know someone who's like made this like a passion project of his of faking bibs. Now he did not go to Bentley, but ever since like uh, especially 2013, security's heightened up. Um, he goes through and he counterfeits the bid. Um, like he's done it three of the last like five years. You know, makes this this ridiculously real looking bib. He's talking about he knows which security he wants to go through, which one's gonna figure it out, which one's not. You're in your corral, so he's just crossing his fingers. He's not next to the person with the exact same number as him because that'll look super <laughs> sketchy. But this is definitely like a little niche world out there of people faking bids. Well, that guy sounds like the biggest scumbag in the world. <laughs> At least he didn't go to bed. The amount of work that people have to do to get, I'm joking about this kid being resourceful. The amount of work that people need to do to get into this race, whether it's qualify with a with an insane marathon time or raise thousands upon thousands of dollars to get in, and you're supporting this kid and is fabricating a fake bibs. I do P2E does not support this guy. Do they not support this niche world? Screw that guy. Jack Fultz is gonna find that guy and kill him. Yeah, yeah. 
Jack, if you're listening to this, get on the case, track this guy down, and let's 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 shame him. If there's <laughs> one guy that can find out. It's Jack White. Fultz, but sure. Fultz. <laughs> is that his name? Is that a clue? Le- legendary uh, musician Jack White. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, I guess the moral of the story is Jack Fultz is the man. It was awesome to get to to talk with him and, and hear his stories. Um, another major storyline from from race day that boys we really need to talk about is uh, Miller Lite is a big peak too early fan. Yeah, I mean, I know it's all 11, social media. I know it's eleven thirty in the morning, but shout out to our sponsor, Miller Lite. Oh there baby. Here we go. Mike's been waiting to do listen, that. Listen, e- e- we got to grind. Just because we're podcasting a little bit earlier than we usually do today doesn't mean I'm going to change the way we do things. We're all about keeping things normal. But yeah, uh, first of all, shout out to our um, newly hired uh, po- our uh, social media manager, CJ. Shout out to you. He's been crushing it. But Miller Lite has been all up in it. And listen, we've been talking about for a long time getting uh, Miller Lite to be the official, official sponsor. And I think we're getting a little bit closer. I think we're getting a little bit closer. A major step. I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just saying. Just saying. We're in talks with Miller Lite. Right. We're in talks with them. Mm-hmm. We're in communication mm-hmm. with them. Um, you know, I I, I I sent out a screenshot of uh, of Miller Lite liking like them liking our our picture on Instagram and uh, them liking our uh, our tweet on on uh, on Twitter to a couple of my friends that I know are are big Miller Lite fans, and uh, they just, one of them sent back the, the Michael Scott fire drill gif where he's just like, it's <laughs> happening, it's happening, everybody like, oh, but that's kind of how I felt when I when I saw all this go down on Marathon Monday. We've just, like, said it enough that it's becoming true. It's great. <laughs> yeah. it, well, I mean, go back to the pilot episode. You know, don't dress for the sponsor you have. Dress, present by the sponsor you want. Exactly, and that's what we've been doing. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Miller Lite, you know. I know you're listening. We're going to, you know, whether, you know, you're going to sponsor us or not, we're still a big fan of your product. You know, like like Trent said in episode one, if you want to pay us, you can pay us. If you want to give us T-shirts, you can give us. If you want to give us, if you want to give us beer, we'll take that. If you want to give us 18-year-old beer, we'll take that too. Whatever you exactly. want to give us, this is a Miller Lite podcast um, forever. Absolutely. We will do fully scripted ads. We will we will do we'll make it up as we go. We'll be complete sellouts really for the whole podcast. We'll just talk about we'll be a beer podcast if you want us to Listen, I will sell out so quickly. I don't care what anybody says. I will sell out so fast. I'll do I'll we do an hour long I'll do an hour long advertisement if you want. That just will be the whole podcast. Do the I don't podcast. <laughs> Screw peak too early. Oh, good. Well um uh we also need to talk about the bet we made. Boys, and just for to, to recap, what we did was we each picked a male and female runner. Combined time is the winner. Um, so we'll go down here. We'll talk a little bit about it. Um, there was a little bit of a domination here, guys. Um, I if 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 getting if betting on uh, on track and field and marathoning was a real thing, I would quit my job and just move to Vegas because I am crushing you guys. Um, Trent picked Karui. On the male side, who ran 208.55, he finished fifth overall. On the women's side, he picked Asefa, who finished fourth overall, who ran 225.40. That's a combined time of 434.35. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's all right. It's all right. Decent. Mike 
picked Ward, who finished on the men's side, who finished eighth. He picked Desi on the female side, who finished fifth. So that's a 209.25 for Ward, a 227 flat for Desi, with a combined time of 436.25. I just want to shout out that uh, that makes me uh, the national champion because I'm the only one who picked two Americans. So shout out me, national champion, no big deal. All right, that's a little racist if you ask me, Mike. But uh, um, uh, so, and then I picked uh, Decisa, who finished second and got outkicked at the finish line. So just losing by two seconds. He ran a 207.59. And then Jordan Hase on the women's side ran a 225.20 um, for a combined time of fourth. 3319. Gentlemen, my Venmo is open. You can send me that money today. Thank you very much. Starting in your account, you loser. That's what I'm talking about. I want to give myself credit for coming in second place after getting my butt kicked in the indoor track betting that we did. The way I look at it, I did about five minutes of research for indoor track and got my like ass kicked. I did like a solid 45 minutes for this one. I'm in second place. All I gotta do is like you know, sit down at, at work one afternoon and actually figure out what's going on in these outdoor track nationals, and I'll just blow you guys away. Well, you want to talk about research, Trent. Um, your research on the female winner, Wartnesh Degafa, completely came back to bite you in the butt. Just just to recap for you guys at home, um, Trent said Wartnesh Degafa was not going to run well at Boston because she ran in Dubai. And running a fast time in Dubai is like hitting a home run in Coors Field. It doesn't count. So quick shade on her. I read a great uh, comparison. They said running that fast at Dubai is like a home run hitter at Coors Field. Ooh, it's just, okay. it's inflated. Um, she's a bum. She hasn't proven this versus real competition at real courses. So don't don't waste your money on her. Warknesh completely dominated the field. One of the most impressive um uh, races we've seen on the women's side in, in, in some time at Boston. So what do you have to say about, about your girl Worknesh, Trent? When Worknesh tests positive for, for some sort of steroid or for blood doping, do I become the winner at that point? Like, what's the date where the test has to, the drug test has to come back, where that, that money comes to my Venmo instead? It just sounds salty to me, Trent. I don't know. I was, I was shocked. I was impressed. Um, I had really studied up on Worknesh, um, and uh, she she blew it away. I guess Coors Field, this is like the new Coors where they move the, the outfield in. Maybe Dubai was like longer or something like that. There had to be something wrong. Listen, I um, don't want to toot my own horn here. And I know I didn't pick Worknesh and all, but during that conversation, I did say I'm a big Worknesh fan because I did the whole Coors Field, Arenado comparison. And then I talked myself into it and I said, you know what? I'm a big Worknesh fan. So I think I should get some points for that, too. Yeah, you compared her to uh, uh, Arenado. Yeah, yeah. And hey, Nolan, if you're listening, we're happy to we're happy to have you come to Boston and win a championship. Yep. If you want to come to Boston, I mean, Trent's like not. Trent yeah. wouldn't be happy, but I would. I be. was against until uh, the Red Sox's you know last two weeks of baseball. I'm out. I think anybody on any team would help this team. So. And then on the men's side, uh, Lawrence Chirono with the win and in uh, a crazy finish at the finish line. What I thought, finish. yeah, I thought 2011 when Desi got out kicked um, coming down coming down Boylston would be the closest finish we'd ever see at a Boston Marathon. This one literally came down to the tape. 
Um, you know, I can't imagine coming 26.2 miles to get out kicked um, at the finish line. Just absolute heartbreaking for for uh, uh, my guy, um, Lisa DeCisa, but what a win for, for Lawrence. Steve, I have a take. If you are one of these people out there telling me that Lisa DeCia gave up at the end of that race, I never want to talk to you again. Yep. They battled for 26 miles. Now we're coming down the home stretch at Boston. Your legs are complete junk. You have nothing left in the tank, and you are giving 110% now. You're going at a gear that most humans don't have with fresh legs. Even with my legs being the freshest in New England, I've never had that gear that he has. These two are going down, and they're a step away. Guy has nothing left in the tank, realizes he's about to lose, and his body just can't give it another step. I, I overheard people talking about it in our VIP suite after the race, and I was just disgusted. It's like, what, is, what do you mean he gave up? What is wrong with you? An incredible finish. Unbelievable to see the Boston Marathon end like that. Any running fan should be fired up about that finish. And now we hear people talking about how this Cisa get get out of here. Unbelievable. He literally poured everything he had into that kick, and his body gave way like two feet shy of the finish line. That was that was one of the most impressive uh, efforts I've ever seen. Yeah, if you think that he gave up two steps away after running 26.2 miles, you know nothing about this sport. You know nothing about sports in general. Yeah, that's a hot take. No, it, I know it is, but I believe it. I think this uh, finish was really important for running as a sport too because this was a highlight I could show my non-running fans in my life. So I was at work and I like cast it on the, the Chrome TV or whatever to show everybody. Cause people somehow missed this finish. It's crazy. One thing that's, I think is really interesting phenomena with Boston is I come in and people that don't care about running, um, you say, Oh, did you watch the marathon? I'm like, yeah, you know, I saw, uh, this person finished and they're talking about like, you know, there's Marines that are doing it and there's always these stories and Jimmy Johnson, wow, who actually ran really well for yeah. Uh, yeah. running. Right. That's incredible story right there but um the the other stuff kind of takes some some attention away from the elite running so to be able to have this finish where these two guys would come down stretch so i can like show it to friends like you would show someone like a, a highlight dunk or a, a highlight hail mary pass was pretty cool and i think it it piques a lot of people's interest in it and the other thing that's crazy about it too is like you obviously have these two guys battling it out at the finish but with like 600 meters to go, they were in like a pack of like five people. It wasn't just them two. It was like a five-person sprint to the finish. I think it was which three. Three, okay, yeah. But still, like the fact that that many people were in contention yeah. with like 600 meters to go, wild. So did the other people give up at 600 meters? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah they, they stink. I, well, I gave over 29,000 people gave up short of the finish line. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what about the women's race? The women's race was... Uh, a complete blowout by uh, that yeah. girl, Worknish. Uh, nobody went with her. Nobody even tried to make a move on her, it seemed like. She, I don't know, usually everyone goes like that early and there's somebody that's going to come and, and waiting to make their move at mile 21 or mile 22 or something. She was she was all alone the whole time. Really impressive. Sure, think, maybe they, they were, were... Go ahead, Mike. Uh, maybe they were thinking like you. They didn't believe in her. Maybe they didn't believe in her Dubai time. They were haters just like you. They heard yeah. the podcast. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what... That's a good point. She's coming back. I think that's it. 
I think all those people, I think we are responsible for WorkNet <laughs> winning because those girls listen to our podcast think, oh man, WorkNet, yeah, she's not, she ran Dubai, she's not that great, she's going to come back. Well, she didn't, sorry. You know, that's on us, that's on us. Influence in the sport, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what's next? What do we got next? I, I know what's next for me. What's what's next for you guys? You got anything on the calendar? What's what's the, uh, the, next, uh, the next running goal for you? My next Steve. running goal is to go for a run. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I um, I'm officially retired from marathoning right now, which feels great, and uh, zero goals on the agenda. I I have no idea. I've, eventually, I'll think of something and I'll start moving towards something. But right now, oh, I'm just kind of enjoying not running, like Trent said. So uh, I have been secretly training something for something throughout my marathon training. I've been getting in the long runs just because you gotta you gotta run 26 miles. But I am I have been training for the past couple months for the Bond Brothers Beer Mile on oh. I believe it is May 24th down in North Carolina. That that my friend is what I'm trying to peak for. I'm trying to peak for the Bond Brothers Beer Mile. I've been I've been getting in my quarter mile sprints. I've been coming back from a run and I've been chugging beers just because you got to expand the stomach. You got to get used to it. But that's that's my next frontier, guys. Wait, tell us more about this. This is uh, this event, the Bond Brothers. I hadn't heard of it before. Yeah. So Bond Brothers is a um, a it's a brewery down in North Carolina. And every single year they do this uh, this beer mile. And I was down there for work last year. And we went there just for fun. We were finishing up work for the day, and we knew a couple of our accounts were going there. And we figured we'd go watch, have a beer. And, guys, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. They had, like, they, I mean, they made this big deal out of they, they have different waves, so you kind of seed yourself. And all the waves are fun. But the elite race looked so much fun. They announce everybody. They come running out with their own intro music. You get out there, and it's this out-and-back course. It's not, it's not on a um, – on a track. So the way they get around like the rules and everything of the city is you go, it's like on this, this rail trail. So it's old, like converted, um, uh, railroad track. That's a running path. And they've set out a, you know, uh, a quarter mile loop. And then you come through and you actually drink the beer on their premises. So no beer is leaving their premises. Ah. Um, but they brew a beer specifically for that race. And everybody comes in and they and they race it. So, um, you know, I, I have a beer mile PR of 621 from a few years ago. It's been a little while since I've done one. But I'm hoping to get under six minutes. And if I can do that, I think I, I stand a shot at winning the uh, the Bond Brothers beer mile. I think last year's winner was in like 555. So it will be it will co- it will come close. I just but I'm looking forward to competing and, uh, and racing down in down in North Carolina. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that one, but at some point I need to uh, run another beer mile because I am 0 for 1 really on my beer mile experiences. Um, the first one I ever did, my thought process was, okay, when you've been drinking and you're a little drunk, the beer just kind of go down a little bit easier. So I decided I was going to try and get drunk before it. Uh, by the second lap, I was puking my brains out That's on the side. <laughs> yeah, it was. Listen, I tested a theory. It did not work in my favor. <laughs> we were at some high school track in Indiana. I'm puking. Nick Kirkpatrick's dog is walking by, licking up my puke. <laughs> People are just zipping by me on the track. 
I didn't finish. I DQ'd. It was terrible. Um, but I think I'd like to make a comeback at some point and uh, redeem myself. Yeah, I am. I am undefeated in beer miles. Actually, I have run one and I, I championed it. I blew away the field. Nick Kirkpatrick was actually, I think, came in second place that day. That kid just loves beer miles. I got to get him on the SAV Racing Squad. I need a, a beer mile SAV Racing Squad team that just dedicates to the beer mile. I don't remember my time, and that's not important. Uh, but as an undefeated champion like myself, uh, I'm sure I could blow away Steve and uh, Mike. It sounds like you'd be here. Really oh, baby. So. We Probably. got, we got our, we got, I think as a team, this is our next, uh, this is our next frontier. I think we, we might need to set up a peak too early beer mile. I, it sounds good to me. So uh, funny story. So the last time I ran uh, the beer mile, I lost to, at the time, the, uh, the world record holder, Lewis Kent. Who dropped a 440? He's I think he ran I think he ran like a 425. That's that was his world record somewhere around there. But when I raced him, he dropped a sub five minute beer mile, and it was just like easy for him. That's damn impressive. There's yeah. like few things more impressive than watching somebody with an elite elite beer mile. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like Boston Marathon, and then you know sub 430 beer mile. Like what else is that's out there? That's in that same plateau. It's the pinnacle. <laughs> Well, we need we need we need to find something to to distract us from uh, from from the Boston Red Sox because that's just that's just depressing what's going on right now. But, anyways, yeah, I I mean we got Celtics playoffs three and zero against Indiana right now. That's been that's pretty good. So maybe we'll get a uh, another championship run going here. But the Red Sox they did get a win last night, which was which was good to see. Grind it uh, out though. Yeah, it was. It's been it's been ugly, but um, it's also April. So yeah. Well, guys, um, this is this has been a lot of fun. I'm I'm so happy we we got through the Boston Marathon. Everybody survived, and we didn't hit the over on trips to the uh, the hospital or ambulance ambulance rides. Um, but uh, you know, this was this has been an amazing experience. Thanks to all the new listeners that we got out at Boston Marathon. Um, uh, we, we can see the little bit of statistics on iTunes, and we had a huge spike in listeners after the Boston Marathon. So if you're new to, to peak too early, welcome. Spread the word. Um, but we're starting to grow, guys. This is starting to become like a, a legit podcast, and we might even have some some uh, some guests coming in the not-too-distant future. So yeah, so. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> say too much. But we got we have some legitimate guests in the pipeline. Yeah. So Steve, I, as far as I'm concerned, we're just getting started here. Um, shout out to our loyal listeners at this point, and I know we have some. We've gotten some interaction, um, but we're only have room to grow from here. And Steve brings up a good point. We're in talks with some uh, some pretty awesome interviews. They're going to be coming out, uh, you know, within the month here, and I am very excited. Uh, so to prepare for that, I would say what I would like to leave this episode with is a little bit of homework for our listeners. First of all, if you're listening to this and you have not subscribed and left a review on iTunes to this podcast, please, 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 please do that. Again, shout out to our social media manager, CJ. He is grinding and doing a great job. So if you're not following uh, at peak too early pod on Instagram. If you're not uh, following the at peak too early on Twitter at SAB running on Twitter, get on that because all of our big announcements, all of our big guests are going to be uh, unveiled there. Help us 
help us grow this product because I think we're on the verge of something good here. Uh, it's about to get, it's within the next couple of weeks, people, it's about to get huge. It's <laughs> shocking. I thought it was going to take us like a year yeah. to get to this point, but it's happening. It's Listen, happening. Peak too early is about to, about to take some huge steps. So the get podcast involved. might be peaking way too early. <laughs> Maybe. No, we it's haven't begun to peak. We haven't begun to peak. Dumb. Anyways, any any uh, any last words, Mike? Any last words you want to leave the listeners with? I think that's uh, I I don't want to be dishing out any more homework. That's usually my job on this podcast is dish out the homework. I just gave it all. Um, I'm happy to be done with the marathon. I'm happy to be retired from marathoning. Uh, unbelievable experience, and uh, yeah, go go do all those tasks I just asked you guys to do. How about you, Trent? Any last words for the listeners? Yeah. So. Uh, recently I called out one of my, uh, my co-hosts on peak too early, Mike, about him not actually having the freshest legs in new England, because I clearly had the freshest <laughs> legs in new England leading up to Boston. Um, another one of our, our co-hosts, Steve, you, you also claim that you were maybe like the sweatiest person, you know, running the race or, or nobody sweats like you do something along those lines. I just want to say, based on the pictures, I think you're totally right. There is no <laughs> pictures of you from Boston that I have seen. You, my friend, can sweat like no other. You can absolutely sweat with the best of them. I was very impressed. And I just want to uh, uh, just say thank you for only saying facts on the podcast, unlike <laughs> other people. So <laughs> no, I, if there's one thing that I am an elite I am a lead at. It is sweating. I can do that with um, with the best in the world. I there is no doubt about that. So. But uh, for me, again, just thanks everybody that was cheering us on out there. If you're new to the the podcast, thanks for li- listening. Shout out to our rider dies from the beginning. It's gonna get big. I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. I love like the last five minutes when we all do our own thing and then you get so excited, Steve, with the peak too early and the Josie <laughs> and the, that's like so now I want a podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe should we should I do it at the beginning that. from now on? <laughs> maybe we should record it at the beginning, yeah. I guess we fired up. Alright. Is is your is your computer recording like on the highway or something? Uh my window's open. Hold on. I mean, it's okay. You can, you can keep it open. Well, I don't want you to be Jesus. There's got to be an easier way. There definitely it, has to be. There has to be an easier way. This is just insane. Hold on one second, guys. Sorry. Yep. Aaron, quiet, please. <laughs> quiet quiet please. on the set. Have a nice time.
Aaron. We're right. We're like really in the middle of like talking. Um, hi guys. Okay, go ahead. Aaron. Hi. Quiet on the set, <clears throat> but he seems into it, so I'm pumped. What time? I don't know. We haven't set a time yet. We'll set one as it gets closer. Um, I can't believe he's our first guest. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> I can't. Like, Let's not say his name, but we'll we'll tease it at the end. <laughs>